Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. And welcome to another edition of the Action Network podcast. Week 14, NFL betting edition. I am your host, Chris Raybon. I'll be joined shortly by Stucky. Today's show, we're going to be, as usual, breaking down all of the betting action for this week 14 slate. Our top six spread bets, we'll cover those in the Sunday six pack, give you our favorite total of the week, teaser pick, money line underdog parlay, and survivor pool pick. Of course, as always, we'll start by breaking down the Thursday night football game. But before that, just a reminder to download the free Action Network app for real-time odds, box scores, and the capability to track every bet that you make. Now let's get right into our Thursday night football preview. It's not the best game, but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet Thursday night football. All right, this Thursday, once again, second week in a row, we have both the Dallas Cowboys now at 6-6 and after losing to the Bills and the Chicago Bears. Also 6-6 six and six after beating the Lions. 77% of the tickets, 83% of the money on Dallas as a three-point favorite. 59% of the tickets, 64% of the money uh, on the under for a total of 43. Stuck, how was your Thanksgiving and what do you think of this game? What's up, brother? Happy holidays to all. It's another good weekend, man. Uh, let's keep it rolling this week. Look, we'll, I'll dive right into this game. I have a rant about Dallas right now, man. I mean, this team, it's a, this, these are, this is a matchup of two 6-6 six and six teams, which is stunning. One team averages 6.7 yards per play. That's best in the NFL. You want to go back since 2005 and look at the teams who have averaged 6.7 yards per play? There's only been four of them, besides the Cowboys, if they finish there. The 2011 Packers, the 2011 Saints, the 2018 Chiefs last year, and the 2016 Falcons. You know what those teams went at combined record-wise? 51 and 13. They won 80% of their games. None of them won fewer than 11. The Packers went 15 and 1. So, and then meanwhile, you have the Bears, who average almost two full yards less per play on offense, and they had the same record at 6 and 6. The only offense that averages fewer yards per play than the Bears, the Jets. So why? The question is why? Well, this late into the season, when you're consistently underperforming your numbers, that's when you start to look at the little things. Penalties issue with the Cowboys. Turnovers. Their defense does not cause turnovers. No havoc. I think they average one takeaway per game, which is bottom five in the NFL. Coaching. We've seen some of the play calling. We've seen some of the coaching decisions. Also special teams. That's a, a, a variable here that you'll see with teams that are either underperforming or overperforming late in the year. It's one of the reasons why the Patriots consistently overperform. Their special teams are usually elite. The Cowboys special teams have been a disaster. Worse than the NFL by most metrics. They're searching for a kicker now. Their kick coverage unit has been horrendous. Uh, that's not good against the Bears. The Bears special teams have been pretty good despite their kicker issues because they have Patterson and Tariq Cohen in the return game. The Cowboys can't return punts. They can't return kicks. They're dead last in net punting yard average. They uh, lost a game on a block punt. They had a punt block. I mean, so their special teams are a disaster. 
all these little things. And then on top of that, they're getting off the slow starts every game. And that, I think, goes back to the coaching. They're underprepared. They don't come out on fire. And then you have, you have to have questions about this locker room. Where is this team? I know that Amari Cooper said he's, he wants to be a Cowboy next year. So I assume that means that Garrett's out if you want to be a Cowboy next year. Uh, and that might be a little, just a hint there. But there was yelling outside the locker room after the loss on Thanksgiving. So this line should be five or six if you go just based on the surface numbers. But, you know, both teams have had an equal amount of a week prep because they played on Thanksgiving and now Thursday night. But all these little things, these slow starts, where's Dallas at? Uh, you know, it's going to be cold, maybe a little windy in Soldier Field, which is something to keep in mind. But because of these slow starts, because I think Dallas is so much better, and we've seen this before, not necessarily this year, but in the years past, and we did see it on Thanksgiving, Mitch Trubisky does come out. He's a little better in the scripted portion. If the Bears come out here and they take a lead, I'm going to be jumping on the Cowboys live. If not, I'm probably staying away from this game for a lot of the reasons I mentioned because the line screams take Dallas, but all these little things, they keep – it's the reason that Dallas is 6-6 six and six and it keeps costing them games. Ran over. First of all, great rant. Um, the one thing I will say about the Cowboys, um, they're 6-6. Six and six. I think – I still look at their worst loss of the season as, as – probably to the Jets. I think the Bills are, are a better team than people think. I, I know you're – I upgraded them. No, I had yeah. upgraded them after what I've seen. Sure. Now, granted, they have a lot of things that the Cowboys don't, in, in ter- including – I think coaching is the big Coaching's thing with the Bills. I think they're really yeah. good. But also, it, it kind of goes under-talked about a little um, Josh Allen. He's not he's really improving. turning the ball over anymore. Because if he's not turning the ball over, they have a mobile quarterback that maybe, you know, maybe he's not a, a Lamar Jackson, but – you know, mobile quarterbacks just that are decent at throwing the football, we see it week after week now. They give you the best defenses in the league uh, trouble. And then, you know. And he's getting a little more accurate and a little more confident. I have to yeah. give him credit. You yeah, have to yeah. give credit so, where credit's due. That loss just happened to come, you know, they're playing the AFC East this year. So they play the Patriots. They play them close. Now, granted, probably should have won the game. That was, you know, field goal kicker issues, little things again. But two losses against, I think, quality opponents. Um, so right now, it, it, we're like you said, the line probably should be five or six in favor of the Cowboys. It's three. I think they're the pick. I think, you know, this seems like the type of game that reminds us all what's so wrong with the Bears because lately the Bears have been kind of sliding under the radar. They barely beat the, the Lions last week, I mean, to be honest. They, they started off the game miserably. But against a much more talented football team, we usually see that come out on Thursdays uh, with the favorites covering at a higher clip than almost in any other situation. I do think the Cowboys are able to get right. I don't think that Bears defense is quite as formidable as in years past. And I think the offense is not going to be able to outscore the Cowboys. I mean, the Cowboys have, you know, they, they've put up, even against Buffalo, what did Dak end up with? 300 something, 350 yards or something like that. Against Minnesota, they put up a ton of yards. The Cowboys will move the ball. I just don't think the Bears can score enough points. So I, I would, I would too win the Cowboys. We're getting points that we wouldn't normally get. If you want to just do back of the envelope what a line should be, you should look at adjusted net yards per play. But you can just look at net yards per play, which is the yards per play you average on offense, you know, subtract it from the yards per play you give up. That's your net yards per play. The net yards per play differential between two teams, you take that number, especially late in the year when you have a good data set, and if you divide it by some say 0.15, some say 0.20, you know, the, the Cowboys are number, and that would give you a ballpark of maybe where a line should be. The Cowboys right now are second in the NFL – in net yards per play differential. They're at 1.3. That means they're gaining 1.3 yard per play more on average than they're giving up. You know, it's first San Fran at 1.4. You know, it's third, the Rams at 0.8. So, I mean, they're first and second, and then down here is third. The Bears are 23rd at negative 0.3. I agree with you that the, the Cowboys are the play, but the one thing that I've seen consistently is they do come out slow. 
And their defense has not been good in the first quarter. Um, the Bears' defense has been really good in the first quarter. I'm going to be a little greedy here. You know, if I have to pass the Thursday night game, I'm fine. I'm going to wait to see if Dallas gets down a field goal, hopefully a touchdown early, then I'll be jumping on them live. They ended up losing to two quality opponents, you know, back-to-back. And it's like, you know, it's got, it's got us down on them, and rightfully so, but I think they'll bounce back. If they don't bounce back, it doesn't matter because they just stay in first place in the NFC East. <laughs> yeah, let's get, in, let's get into the coaches' pep talk. Uh, once again, from Coach Pete Bell and, and from the 1994 film Blue Chips and dedicating this one right to Jason Garrett and the Dallas Cowboys coaching staff. This is by far the worst team that has ever sat in this locker room. You don't deserve a locker room. You should be playing without uniforms. There's not one of you, not one of you that's learned how to win. Man, our producer Matt loves blue chips, by the way. <laughs> I know. This is like every week I'm, I'm like, wait, is this, is this? We should rename the segment to just the blue chips clip. Take note, Matt. I don't know what you to pull this amateur bull trap, all right? Do you hear me? Do you understand me? That wraps it up for the Thursday night football preview. Now let's get into the main event, the Sunday six-pack. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday six-pack. Last week, four to three edge for me, back even. What a race so far. What did I say before the year? I said my goal is, I mean, obviously you could just have a a killer year, but I've never done this with you before. But if I can get three a week, then I think I'll be in good shape. I'm actually at one point ahead of that. I'm at 40 through 13 weeks, and so are you. So we're tied. So it's been a, a hell of a race, and it should be a hell of a finish. And by the way, we're going to be doing this. We, we might have to change the format, but we'll be recording, mm-hmm. you know, because it, we, six is going to be a lot during the divisional round. But we'll have these podcasts all through the playoffs. So maybe it's just like one or two picks. We'll come up with a new format, but this race will go all the way to the Super Bowl if it needs, if one of us hasn't wrapped it up by then. We're tied. I'm just glad that we're tied and we're actually doing well. You know, 40 out of, I think, what, a possible 65. Um, that's a pretty good hit rate. Uh, so I'm just glad we're not tied at like, you know. 20. <laughs> yeah, right. My pick first this week, I am going with the Washington Redskins plus 13, going to Lambeau to face the Green Bay Packers. I mean, first of all, anytime you see a spread of plus 13, the first thing that you should think that should just jump in your head is too many points. It's almost always too many points. And this just is regardless of, uh, you know, the matchup. But in this particular instance, The Washington Redskins are a team that wants to run the football. They want to shorten games ever since interim coach Bill Callahan took over for for Jay Gruden. They're one of the most run-heavy teams in the league. They've been better in pass defense. They had the one bad game against the Jets, but uh, they are up to number 11 overall in early down pass success rate on defense. And and that's number two in the league uh, over the span since Bill Callahan took over. So, you know, part of it again is that they're shortening games. So they're not seeing a ton straight up, you know, first and second downs on defense as they would have before, but um, they're playing better in the past game. Green Bay Packers are, you know, a team that uh, they're a decently good team in all phases, but 13 points is a lot of points. I think last week, you know, uh, going on the road against the, the Giants, six and a half. You felt comfortable about that. Uh, but 13 is a little much for this Packers team that uh, they're kind of up and down in, in the past game. You know, they, they beat the really bad defenses, but they struggle sometimes against average or worse ones. Uh, same thing in the run game. Aaron Jones hasn't been as consistent in a while. They really have one receiver, Devontae Adams, and, and that's it. Um, Lazard, you know, steps up here and there. Jimmy Graham is broken. But overall, it's just too many points for me in what projects to be a low-scoring game. And to that end, 
uh, if you look at our bet labs data, road underdogs plus 11 or more with a total of 46 or less, which this total is uh, down at 41 and a half. Uh, those teams have gone 129, 83 and one. 58% against the spread since 2003. And that, again, that's just because it's really tough to separate by a large margin in, in this kind of football game. Lower scoring game, points come more to premium, harder for a larger favorite to cover. Uh, for those college football fans, it's similar to, you know, triple option. When you have a triple option team that just drains the clock, you know, they're bad as favorites, great as underdogs. I agree with you. you I'll get to my first pick, but this is going to be my second pick. Let me go back to net yards per play, you know, a measurement of your yards per play that you gain and the yards per play you give up. The Redskins are like 24th in the league. The Packers are 27th. So from a net yards per play perspective, the Redskins have been better than the Packers. Now, that doesn't tell the whole story because you have Aaron Rodgers. They're great on third down. They're great in the red zone. It doesn't tell the whole story. But this Packers team has been fortunate. Now, look, they're my only future. I'm required by contract to say that in every podcast. And I like their pass defense. I like their edge rushing. And you have Aaron Rodgers. And if you get into the dance with Aaron Rodgers, you're going to have a chance, which is all I wanted with that future. But the run defense is really weak. And that's what the Redskins are going to be able to exploit here. I completely agree with you with Peterson and Geis back is huge. He just brings a, an, another dynamic piece to that. And if you look at a lot of the advanced metrics, yards after contact, elusive rating, some of the metrics on PFF and other sites, he's tops of the league. Now, the sample size isn't great, but he's fully up to game speed. He went nuts against Carolina, another poor run defense. But I like the interior of that Washington offensive line, both of their guards their center, very underrated center. So I think they're going to be able to get a push against this Green Bay defense. It's really soft in the middle. And it's just Blake Martinez wasn't playing that well against the run. And then they, usually, they like to play a lot of heavy dime. A lot of times they won't even have another linebacker, and they don't have great linebacker depth to begin with. They usually are playing on the field an extra safety, and Ibrahim Campbell is like a, an added linebacker in their big dime package. And they're just not good against the run. And that is what Washington's going to do with Bill Callahan. They're also a snail teaser for my total play. Washington's the slowest team in the NFL by far. So they're going to just grind this game to a halt. They're going to pound the rock. They're going to try and keep Rodgers on the sideline, which is all smart. And so this game has like 23-14 written all over it. Well, the Redskins, we talked about this. Every game they've played has been low scoring and close, except that one outlier Jets game. I mean, it's like even Minnesota, like they were big underdogs. They lose, what, I think 19-9. to You know, every once in a while, they'll just lay an egg. But the odds are that they're able to keep it close. And I'm just going to throw it out there that I had like the under in that game too. They have a great punter in Tressway. I think they lead the, <laughs> lead the NFL in net punting. So that's huge when you're just run, 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 flip the field, make them grind more clock. That just helps with the under and the dog in a low-scoring game when you have a great punter. Sorry, I had to give some punter love out there. All right, for my first pick, I don't think this is much of a surprise if you watch my Twitter, I'm going with the Los Angeles Rams. So on the surface, this game is – it's the 10-2 and two Seahawks against the 7-5 and five Rams. Uh, look, stay on the trend of net yards per play. Rams are third in the NFL, 0.8. Seahawks are basically about even. Uh, I think they're po po positive 0.2. They're right in the middle of, of the field. But this team has been one of the luckiest teams in NFL history. I mean, they're 10-2. and two. They have an average scoring margin of three points. No team in NFL history has won 10 of their first 12 games with a scoring margin that low. Nine of their 10 wins have come by one possession. They're 5-0 in games decided by four points or less. And they played a number of backups, too. That's the craziest part. They played Matt Schaub, the Steelers when Ben went down. I mean, you, you, you name it. And then even against the Eagles, all their receivers were out. Their offensive linemen were out. Against the Vikings, Cook goes out. Thielen doesn't play. Their tackle gets – so, I mean, the turnovers. They've recovered 16 fumbles uh, on defense. That's the most in the NFL. So, everything is breaking right for them, and they're still winning these close games. 
look, they're a good team. Seattle fans, you know, get their panties in a bunch on Twitter and say, you're, we're not, we're, you say that we're, we suck. No, I think that you suck relative to what the market thinks. That's all I care about. You're a playoff team. Russell Wilson is in MVP discussion. Their receiving core has gotten better. But this is a great matchup for a Rams team and situational spot. Look, revenge from earlier in the year. They have an extra day of prep here. Seattle going on the road after a Monday night game. The Rams run defense is really good. And their offense, I said it last time when the Rams play the Seahawks, their offense just shreds, shreds the Seattle defense every time they play because of the scheme and what Carroll plays. The last four times they've played, the last one being in Seattle when Zerline missed a 44-yard field goal to win as time expired, another lucky thing that happened for the Seahawks this year. They scored 29 points. That was the fewest they've scored in the last four meetings. They've averaged, I think, 35 points per game, maybe even a little more, 35-36. I mean, they put up 35, 40, 38. Seattle doesn't get a ton of pressure. Goff is comfortable against Seattle. So look for Cooper Cup in the slot. This is a great slot matchup for Cup. They're going to be able to run it a little bit on Seattle. And on the other side of the ball, with Hunt in the middle, I think they're going to be able to get pressure. This is just a great matchup, a great situational spot for the Rams. I have the Rams as a three-point favorite here. So when I saw plus one, I jumped all over it. And uh, this luck is just not going to continue forever with Seattle. And if it does, I'm willing to pay to pay for it in this spot here. From just our competition perspective, anytime you bet against Russell Wilson as your two-point play, that makes me happy because I agree with you. I think the Rams should be able to take care of the Seattle team, but it's just ridiculous. It's like, like you said, Seattle just wins these games. I think the biggest mismatch, the thing that I worry about here for, for Seattle is, you, you kind of hit on it, Joey Hunt in the middle. Yeah, at, Donald is going to eat. Yeah, replacing Justin Britt, who went down with a torn ACL. Uh, Hunt has been really bad. And, and, it, and it's crazy because it hasn't quite hurt them as much as you think. I mean, he's, he's been the 35th ranked center in the league. His PFF grade is a 49.4. So it's been really bad. But you know where it did hurt them? But, like, not from a game perspective because the Eagles' entire team was out and Seattle ran a trick play for a touchdown. But Fletcher Cox was dominating that line of scrimmage and blowing up the pocket. Fletcher Cox is an all-pro caliber player, not as good as Aaron Donald. But you could see Cox at his best game of the year. He was blowing up Hunt. If Seattle were to win this game in this one, um, because it doesn't look – Tyro Lockett doesn't look completely healthy. They've had a kind of scrape-together offense with Jacob Hollister and the other receivers. Uh, I, I think if Seattle were to win this game, what, they're probably, what you probably would see is George Fant report eligible and just try to run it on the edges or something. Six-0 line, yeah. Crazy enough – Jalen Ramsey is their worst graded corner in PFF. Troy Hill is number 12. And the, the yeah, they have a solid slot corner in, in Roby Coleman. Coleman. Yeah, yeah, he's number 10. And that's the second year in a row he's been up, uh, graded out really well in PFF. And Troy Hill coming on too. So I'm not in the business of betting against Russ. I, I get what you're saying though. But uh, hopefully they come through for me and, and, and swing us some two points here. Okay. So I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Bucks, And they're at home. They're minus three against the Indianapolis Colts. And... I just like the matchup for Tampa Bay in this spot. I think at this point, these two teams are, at worst, even. I think Tampa Bay actually might be a little better. And that's because Indianapolis, this is not the same Colts that were looking promising early in the year. And you said, hey, just maybe they could kind of sneak into the playoffs again without luck and all these, you know, all these guys. But it's starting to fall apart. T.Y. Hilton looks like he's going to be out again. He said he's not even sure if he's going to return this season. Okay. Fine. You can run the football. That's how the Colts kind of stay in games. That's how the Colts kind of hang around with teams. But 
You're going against the one team in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that you don't want uh, to be kind of a, a run first team uh, against because they are number one in the league in run defense by DVOA, by, by a lot of different metrics. They're also number two in the league in DVOA at defending passes at, out of the backfield. And that's just trouble for the Colts because it's not even like they have the two tight ends now. They're down to just Jack Doyle. Uh, you know, they have some other guys, Ross Travis and, and Wenzel and, and Moali Cox, but it's really just Jack Doyle out there. So they're playing three receiver sets, but without T.Y., Paris Campbell might be back, but they have no alpha dog. If if you want to double Zach Pascal or, or just take Zach Pascal out of the game, you can. So now you look at it and say, okay, even if Jameis Winston spots them, uh, you know, a turnover or two or, or pick six, whatever, the Col- it's going to be tougher for the Colts to play with a lead because they, you know, they're going up against a tough run defense. When you, if, the, if it goes the other way, where the Colts, they don't really have the de- defensive firepower to stop Mike Evans and Chris Godwin both. Um, so, you know, on the other side, it's, you know, if they get down, you worry about them on offense because they're a team that wants to run and is really devoid of any pass catcher. Jacoby Brissett looks uh, indecisive out there. And that's really just because guys aren't getting open. I mean, Tom Brady looks indecisive too when, when his receivers aren't getting open. So I'm, this is just a fade of the Colts at this point in the year when, you know, attrition has kind of taken over. I have a lot of respect for Frank Reich, but I just think the Bucks are a better football team at, at this point. I mean, look, I'm, I, you, everyone laughs at me for special teams, but they, they make a difference. I and mean, how many times do I need to yell about Adam Vinatieri and how many games they need to cost the Colts? Now, I, just, I saw he's limited today and they signed Chase McLaughlin, the 49ers, ticker who they used. So maybe they're using McLaughlin. Um, he was seven of eight in Robbie Gold's absence. But uh, they still have Vinatieri. I don't know why, just because he used to make kicks. But you're right. I mean, this is it's an interesting matchup from the standpoint that the Colts' offensive line is dominant and they can run the ball. It doesn't matter who's back there. Williams, Wilkins, Mack. It doesn't really matter with their offensive line. And they're still going to be able to run the ball against teams that can't defend the run. Well, now they're going up against a really good and stout defensive line that just has bodies. And that's why the Bucks are so good against the run. You have Sue and Vita Vea, and they're just eating bodies. So can Indianapolis move the ball through the air against a really weak Buck secondary? And I don't know. I mean, who's, who's left? If, if, if Rodgers, Hilton, and Campbell is, are done, I, who is their slot? I don't even know who their slot would be if they come out with three receivers. Oh, 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 by the way, by the way, not even. Chester Rodgers, who is playing their slot – He's also out for the year. And we talk about special teams. He was also their primary return man. This is one thing, you know, as we get to this point in the season, a lot of us have these kind of preconceived notions. Some of them are built from early in the year. Some of them are built from last year. Tampa Bay right now, up to number nine overall in defensive DVOA. Number nine. And that's on the strength of that run D. But still, no one thinks of Tampa Bay as a top 10 defense in efficiency, schedule adjusted, no less. Todd Bowles. He's, he's done a great job there. But – but who would be? I pride myself on knowing rosters. I don't even know who the slot would be. It, it, so last week, they, their three wideouts were Pascal, Marcus Johnson, and then once Rodgers went down, Ashton Doolin. They also signed Chad Williams, the former Arizona Cardinal, who doesn't really catch footballs when they're thrown to him. They're kind of banking on Campbell coming back. He's been practicing, so he'll probably go just out of desperation. Man, I didn't know anything about Ashton Doolin. I just looked him up. He went to Malone University. I don't even know what Malone University is. All right. Anyway, <laughs> who's going to fuck up more in this game? Is it Winston or Vinatieri? Uh, but you have you have the more talented weapons and the better yeah. offense, and it's a good matchup for the Bucks defense. So uh, I don't disagree with you there. No. Second pick, I'm going with the Raiders. I am buying low here on the Raiders after they lost, well, what, their last two games by a combined uh, 70 points or something like that. Although, if you take a look at the box score last weekend against the Chiefs, Carr was basically playing for Kansas City in that game. 
Kansas City, I mean, they won by 40. Kansas City in that game, they were outgained by like 100 yards. Kansas City I'm talking about. And they, from a yards per play perspective, the Raiders were 5.8 and the Chiefs were 4.4. So very misleading box score. By the way, both of these quarterbacks are 3-0. and Tannehill and Carr, both 3-0 and against the opposing team with six touchdowns and one pick. Just thought that was really odd to see. But look, the Titans are playing well and Tannehill is playing really well. One of the things that they're doing extremely well, which I think is there's going to be some regression here, is their red zone offense. They're number, the Tennessee Titans are number one in the NFL in touchdown percentage in the red zone. Number one. They're like 78%. And under Tannehill, they're at like 95% in six games since he took over. And then in those six games, they're averaging close to 30 points per game, almost two touchdowns more than when Mariota started in his six games. But there's some. It's not like I look at this Tennessee offense and say, oh, "Yeah, there's a reason why this this team would be so great in the red zone." Um, there's not. So, uh, and a lot of those things are regressing, especially in the red zone. So, I don't think they're going to be able to keep that up. Um, but, and I also think on the other side, if you look at Tennessee, no matter how well Tannehill's playing, and I like their defense, just look, they're seven and five. But last week, the, the Colts are lining up for a field goal to go up twenty to seventeen. And they get it blocked in return for a touchdown. <laughs> of course. So easily could have lost it. Against the Bucks. if you recall, the Titans had a field goal blocked and returned for a touchdown that was not called a touchdown. They blew the whistle, and the Titans ended up winning. Against the Chiefs, there was a field goal blocked, and all this crazy stuff happened at the end. These are three games that have just everything possible went the Titans' way. This is still a team, you know, that lost 16 nothing at Denver a month ago. I think Oakland can have some success with their short passing game. It's something that Tennessee struggles with. Tight ends, backs out of the backfield. Jacobs is going to get his. I think this line is crazy. I bought it the three. If it's a two and a half, whatever. These two teams, to me, are very average teams and rated about even. Raiders have been good at home this year. I'm buying low on the Raiders after their two last games where they're blown out by 40 points each and selling the Titans here, who I do not think are as good as the market is now starting to believe they are. Give me the Raiders here at home as a, a short home dog. Oof, I, oof, I don't know. I don't know about that. I mean, and I'm well, if you don't know about, about it. I'm all I'm about good. the Titans. And I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I'm, good. I'm just I'm about to say. Uh, with that being said, I think it was a, a couple weeks ago, we were on this pod talking. You said you were thinking about backing the Raiders. I ended up taking the Jets. And, and, you, and I, I said the reason was, the Jets had a top top five run defense. And the Titans are another one. I backed the Jets with you, by the way. I ended up backing the Jets. Okay, nice. Yeah, So, um, and, and, but that's what worries me is that the Raiders are facing another one of these teams w- with, a, with a top five run defense. So I just don't know if the Raiders have enough here because Carr seems to be – it's almost like they schemed him up a good first few weeks and it's just – it's been downhill. And, but, but on the other side, the Raiders are bottom five run defense. And you said you had – you know, you don't know why the Titans are so good in a red zone. Derek Henry. Like when teams just don't want that work, especially California teams this time of year. Derek Henry is number two in the league in yards after contact. I just I think the I think the Titans have enough here, man. So I I'd be scared about I'd be scared about packing the Raiders in this spot. To be completely honest, man, I just think I just think they give it to Henry. Uh, and, and, and kind of run over them. I hope that you're wrong on the Titans again. <laughs> yeah, I usually am. So I mean, take that disclaimer for what you will. Uh, for my Last pick, uh, this one now it's gonna, now it's gonna get ugly because I went with a plus thirteen dog with my first pick. Eh, okay, uh, doing it again for another pick. Detroit plus thirteen at Minnesota, and again, 
just comes down to the fact that it's too many points in another game that could be low scoring. On one side, you have you have David Bling Blau to Kenny Galladay to start last week, but not much after that. And uh, I, the Lions have shown us that they want to, to have that power run element to, to their team. You know, they've gone through a bunch of different street free agent backs, settled on Bo Scarborough, who uh, – Bowen actually, Blau. Right. <laughs> You're giving him, he's giving them decent work out there, so I think they're going to try to stick with that. Another team, I think, kind of takes shape – takes the form of the Redskins at this point. You know, they want to play in low-scoring games. The difference with the Lions is you could actually see them getting a late, you know, backdoor cover or something like that because Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones are, are still explosive football players, uh, particularly Galladay, uh, averaging almost 20 yards a catch. So uh, like it from that perspective, like the fact that we saw a team in Seattle that you kind of worried about, you know, their O-line and how it would hold up against against Minnesota. And they were able to kind of bring in a tackle eligible, play some power football. Uh, now they're on a, a short week. It looks like Adam Thielen might actually miss again. It looks like he was going to come back, and then he reportedly suffered a setback. So we'll see about that. But uh, Dalvin Cook also banged up, probably going to play. But Minnesota's in a tough spot. It just seems like a game where they're not going to try to run up the score or, or you know, throw the ball all around the yard. It seems more like a game they just want to kind of escape with a victory against the a division opponent that that's kind of down on their luck and, and move on. So I, I like Detroit here. I just think it's too many points. Another one that applies to this, to these games with a low total when it's 46 or below uh, and an underdog of 11 or more hitting at a 58% clip. Uh, that's basically what it comes down to just a fate of the, the overall line more than anything else. Yeah. I don't hate it. I mean, you also have a, a Detroit team that is played on Thanksgiving. So extra prep while you had Minnesota play on Monday night. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's three yeah. or four days of difference. And, you know, Minnesota was out on the West Coast, and they're coming back on Tuesday. Meanwhile, you had Detroit Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, four extra days of preparation and rest. I, you know, the one thing that gives me pause here is – and by the way, I've been yelling – and other people have too, but I've been yelling it for about a year. Xavier Rhodes is washed. Um, mm. he, was, he was trying to blame his safeties. But that was just his coverage, and he got burnt. But on the other side, I think the health, you know, Dalvin Cook's health and, and Thielen, if they play, you know, Detroit does have some good corners, which is good when you're playing Minnesota. The problem is if Minnesota was fully healthy, you're going to get a lot of time to throw um, against Detroit. And they don't get a lot of pressure at all. So that's the one thing that would give me pause if you have Blau who comes out here and shows that, hey, it's a second start. It's on the road in a hostile environment. So if he doesn't make any mistakes, I think you're good. That's the one thing that would give me pause. But I will say – in your defense, Jeff, I, you know, I played the Lions when that line moved up on Thanksgiving. And after watching Blau, I don't there's not much of a drop-off between him and Driscoll. Driscoll held the ball for so long. One of the things I was impressed about, and that's just one game, was Blau's pocket presence. Like, and he knew when to throw, throw it away. He knew when to bail. He was feeling blitzes. So some, some quarterbacks have that, and some just never get it. <clears throat> Mitch Risky. And so, yeah, I think that if, as long as he doesn't have a, oh, my God, rookie second start on the road game, I think he should be good there. For my third game, I'm going with a game I wrestled with for a long time. But I'm picking the Pats, minus three here. And going into last week, I wanted the Chiefs here, and I thought I was going to maybe catch four, especially if the Pats won in Houston. I was on Houston. I've been fading the Pats the last couple weeks. They've been my – number one pick against and it's worked because of their issues on offense of the one stat I want to throw out here because I'm not a big trends guy. Brady is 29 and three against the spread after a loss as an underdog or a favorite under a touchdown 29 and three against the spread, not straight up. 
Um, it's just silly. We saw it with the Eagles when they covered at the Eagles last year. They're also dominant at home against the spread. But I actually like the matchup for a number of reasons. Kansas City's really struggling to run the ball right now. And a lot of it's to do with their offensive line. They still struggle to defend the run. And these two teams, by the way, are very familiar with each other. They played twice last year. Both games shattered. I think it was like 44-41 and 40-34. The Patriots did some things in that second meeting in Kansas City when they won that I think they'll be able to do here again. Their strength of their team is their, their pass defense. So what they're going to do, and McCourty, is, I don't, is, he's questionable, but what they're going to do is they're going to play Jackson on Hill on Tyreek Hill. They tried to do that with Gilmore in the first matchup, and Hill had like three touchdowns at 17,000 yards. Gilmore is one of the best corners in the NFL, but he can't cover Hill. So what they did is they'll put Jackson on Hill, and they'll throw, throw a safety over top. They'll focus the game plan on stopping Kelsey over the middle, and they'll just put Gilmore on Watkins, sometimes on Kelsey, which I think could have some success. Like it's a Chiefs team that's struggling to run the ball because that's the key here because if you can kind of scheme around stopping their pass, the one wild card is Hardman, by the way. If Hardman comes in and the speed, his speed factor, which they didn't have last year, I just will throw that out there. But I do think on the other side of the ball, not only we just get – this is just a spot you trust the Patriots in historically. I mean, 29-3. and three. I think they're going to be able to run the ball finally. Their offensive line is going to start to play better. They've, they've been healthy, and anyone can run on the Chiefs. Anyone. So you're going to see what they've done. You're going to see James White catch eight balls. You're going to see them run the ball a ton. You're going to see Edelman catch 11 balls over the middle when he always crushes the Chiefs. So I think that they're going to be able to do enough, and their pass defense that's the strength of their team is good enough – and, you know, they've seen the Chiefs enough over the last year that I trust their staff as a three-point home favorite in this spot against the Chiefs. It, the game is so important for many reasons because if the Chiefs get them at home, it could be a different story in the playoffs. Look, I've been on the fade the Patriots bandwagon for the last few weeks. I'm jumping off now when everyone's saying they're broken. Their offense still has tons of issues. Um, but I think you're going to get like a heavy run, throw to backs, quick passes. Because uh, the Chiefs' pass defense, especially down the field, has been good. But that's not – New England can't throw the ball down the field here. Fascinating chess match when Kansas City has the ball. But really, I'm just trusting the staff and the spot. And a discounted number that would have been three and a half or four had the Chiefs not won by 40 last week, really misleading, like I said, and had the Patriots not look as bad as they did on national TV against the Texans. So uh, I'm, on, I'm with the Pats this week. I think that's the right call. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't mention, though, the Patriots' field goal kicker or whack thereof. That's true. Uh, something interesting that, that you kind of noticed last game was, yeah, they lost to Houston, but something to think about going forward. They started to have some success running the football out of the shotgun. Uh, this season, they are averaging uh, 0.4 yards more running out of the shotgun than they are under center. Now, granted, it's not been good on either front, uh, 3.8 out of the gun, 3.4 under center, but you can't really succeed averaging 3.4 yards per carry under center when you also can't pass the ball uh, that well. So I think it is going to be important for them to maybe mix it up. Maybe we see James White. Maybe Burkhead mixes in a little more. He's kind of a – I think Michelle is probably their worst shotgun back. I would, I would agree. I think that's kind of the game they're going to play. They're going to say – we need to run the ball on Kansas City. That's their weakness. And we need to, uh, on the other side, let Kansas City run the football. Uh, I think overall the Patriots do play good enough defense that you can't expect the Chiefs to score uh, normal expectations. I think the Patriots are kind of – they're still figuring things out, but three-point home favorite, I don't hate it at all, especially considering the spot, like you said. All right, so that does it for our Week 14 Sunday six-pack. Stuck has the Rams, Raiders, and Patriots. I have the Redskins. 
Lions and Tampa Bay Bucks. And before we get into our favorite over under of the week, uh, just want to let you guys know that as we've done for the past four weeks, we are running a new Fade Ravel promotion with our friends at Points Bet Sportsbook. This week, our colleague Darren Ravel is taking an Eli Manning passing prop. Eli's coming. Eli's coming. Eli's a coming and the cards say a broken heart. Darren is taking under. 249.5 passing yards and points bet is boosting the odds on the over from minus 105 to plus 120. Personally, I think their line is spot on. I actually have it in my projections at 249. So I would go under by the, by the half yard, but uh, it's always fun to, to fade Darren Ravel. So if you're interested in fading Ravel, just follow the link in this episode description for more details. Let's get right into our favorite over-under of the week. All right, Stuck, I went, uh, I went first with our six-pack, so you start us off with the over-under. Uh, yeah, I mean, I already mentioned mine. I'm going Green Bay, Washington, under. Washington's actually the slowest team in the NFL. It's usually the Chargers who are 31st because Rivers snaps with one second on the play clock every single snap, but the Redskins are slower. The Packers also, also aren't fast. They're outside the top 20. So I think you're just going to see heavy run script from the Redskins as usual. They're just going to be bleeding clock. And more importantly, they're going to have success running the ball up the middle. Uh, I don't think that they're going to be breaking as many runs as you saw against Carolina, but they're going to have sustained success, which will keep the clock moving. By the way, Jacksonville and Chargers are like 30th and 31st in pace and in plays per second in neutral situations. Jacksonville offense looks dead. Chargers defense is healthy. The Chargers are a snail. That's another good underlook as well, but I'm going with Green Bay, Washington under. For my pick, I'm going with the uh, Bengals-Browns under 41. This is just kind of a bet on how I think this game will play out for Cleveland. I think they're going to to want to run the football a ton. Cincinnati's a little faster paced on offense, especially with Dalton. But if you look at them, they've been able to play defense, play better defense as of late. If you look at their last few games, they, they had this one game in the last five where they ran into a train, which is the Baltimore Ravens, who scored 49. Uh, but they play the Rams in London, they lose 24-10. Uh, they play the Raiders, they lose 17-10. They play the Steelers, they lose 16-10. They play the Jets with Dalton, they win 22-6. to I think the Browns are better than the Jets, but I don't think that the, the Bengals are going to be able to, to do much. I don't think the Browns are going to be able to do much for that matter. They're, like Baker Mayfield's not practiced, hasn't thrown yet as we record this on Wednesday night. The receivers, Landry and Beckham, both sitting out practice. So I just think it's going to be one of those sloppy weeks where you miss a, miss some practice time and, and you're going to just kind of want to run the ball if you're Cleveland. And it's a divisional under, a late in the year divisional under. Um, so yeah, like it for all those reasons uh, going under 41 here. So now let's get into our weekly teaser segment. Oh yeah, six point teasers. All right. For those unfamiliar, this is a we're each going to pick a standard uh, 6.2 team teaser, which means you get six extra points uh, toward the spread for each of your picks. Uh, and you get a slightly reduced payout when you do this at Sportsbooks. But it's uh, it's definitely fun. And it's a uh, it's a cool way to kind of uh, combine some bets. So uh, stuck who you got this week for your two team. San Fran's probably the best teaser piece on the board, teasing them up to eight and a half. It's an, a really it's a huge game. Two ten and two teams in the NFC. I also really like the under there, under 44 and a half. I think the San Fran defensive line, by the way, could dominate because, I mean, the, the Saints offensive line right now is missing some key pieces. 
the San Fran defensive line is obviously elite. What they're going to have to do, Breeze gets rid of the ball really quick. San Fran's pass defense has been amazing all year. So what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to bring in more two tight end sets. They're going to have to pound the ball. They're going to have to go more run heavy. The other side of the ball, the Saints have a really good run defense. And, you know, Jimmy G in this hostile environment, I think you can take Lattimore, who's now healthy. You can put him on Sanders. It's just – and it's such an important game where both teams, I think, are going to play a little tighter to the vest. And the Saints are just a very conservative, slow-moving offense. And I just don't think they're going to have a ton of success moving the ball. They're going to be worried about that San Fran defensive line. On the other side of the ball, I I don't think San Fran's going to get their running game going um, as much as they can against a lot of teams here in New Orleans. This is like 2017, just like last weekend in Baltimore. I think it's 2017. I'll give it to the Saints. Wouldn't surprise me if the 49ers won. And so I'm teasing San Fran, what I think will be a really good game in lower scoring than the market thinks. And another good teaser piece is Oakland, but I'll throw in, I'll throw it in with the Browns, teasing the Browns down. There's some injuries on the Browns, but I think now that line's come down from 10 and a half to eight and a half. Now that you're able to tease that down from eight and a half to two and a half across that field goal, I think the Browns will get the win at home. So I'm going to go with Browns and the 49ers. Definitely agree on, on that, that kind of 49ers game out. We'll talk about them more in a second. Uh, for my teaser piece, I'm going with the uh, Arizona Cardinals who no-showed last week. Um, I don't know how much of it had to do with Kyler Murray kind of struggling through a hamstring injury. He did score a rushing touchdown, so I think it was just Sean McVay coming up. Really good game plan. Arizona still has issues on defense. But um, going back to them in this spot, up to plus eight and a half here. Listen, I think I have a lot of respect for what the Steelers are doing. We always talk about how we love to bet uh, Tomlin when he's an underdog. Uh, but now the Steelers are road favorites. Uh, they're still – Arizona still has the advantage at, at quarterback here. And they've been playing really good run defense over these last few weeks. They're, they're number one in rush defense success rate over the last five. Pittsburgh may have some, may have some trouble running the ball. Uh, they just, you know, got up for that Cleveland game, which obviously meant a lot for a lot of different reasons to them. Uh, so I just think it's a tough spot, counting on Arizona to kind of keep it in one possession, even if the Steelers find a way yet again uh, to win. So going with them and then the Seattle Seahawks from, from a pick up to plus six, just because always talk about it, man. Russell Wilson, they always find a way. It's always a one-possession game. So if I can tease them up to six in a game, I think, you know, could, could go either way. I'll, I'll take it. So going with the uh, Cards and Seahawks here. Yeah, this is a conundrum for me because I, I said on Twitter before the year started, if I ever bet on Cliff Kingsbury, I, I will delete my account. And I haven't yet. I've hated Cliff Kingsbury in college. It's an inside joke, but I, I still have it. But I, this is a Tomlin fade spot. I meant yell about it all the time. That's why I faded them in Cincy and why I played them last week. Listen to these stats now. They, it makes so much – the world is in harmony right now. Tomlin is a road favorite against a sub-500 team, 14-27-1 against the spread. That's 34.7%. 34.7%. All right, Tomlin is an underdog in his career, 34-18-2 against the spread. That's 65.3%. Those are exact reciprocals. 65.3% as an underdog. And what's the opposite of that? One minus .653? 34.7, that's what he is on the road uh, against sub-500 teams in his career. It just, Tomlin is a, we say rah-rah, I, I always call them rah-rah spots. Last weekend, that's why I bet Pitt. Classic rah-rah Tomlin spot. Gets you fired up, want to run through a wall. But because his locker rooms rely on so much emotion, you know, and he's this, this guy's us against the world, when you go on the road and play these teams that are just, eh, and it's like, this game doesn't mean as much, well, then your team is susceptible to come out really flat, and they do it all the time. 
So after an emotional win last weekend, this is your classic pit flat spot. So agree with yeah, you. Yeah, I, I actually might. Yeah, just bet them straight up. And the more I think about it, you're you're exactly right. Um, it, it's it's a spot that just screams let down. Yeah, especially if this gets to three. Now let's get into the best of the rest, which is each game that we didn't cover in any other segment. All right, we'll start out here with the ten and two Baltimore Ravens going to the nine and three Buffalo Bills house. The Ravens are five and a half point favorites. Seventy six percent of the bets, eighty one percent of the money on the Ravens. Forty three and a half is the total with seventy seven percent of the bets, but only sixty percent of the money on the over. Thoughts? Stuff. If the Bills win this game and the Chiefs beat the Patriots, we are headed to week 15 with the Bills as the number one overall seed in the AFC. Just throwing that out there. The Bills are much better than I thought. I've I significantly upgraded them after that game against Dallas. And, you know, Dallas did some Dallas things. And by the way, they still that's not a win against a winning team. Um, it was at the time. But the Bills' strength of schedule still is weak. But their defense showed me some things. Their run defense is still vulnerable. And Zeke had some success when they ran it. They didn't run it as much as I thought they would. But their defense doesn't give up many big plays. They have great safeties. They're, they're linebackers like Milano and company, Alexander. They're, they're good in coverage. They're better in coverage and pass rush than they are against the run, um, which is why they're you know, one of the worst run defenses in the NFL, especially up the middle. But they're good at covering tight ends. They're good at covering backs out of the backfield. They don't give up a ton of big plays. You know, they have a corner that can match up with Brown on the outside. So I think that what the what the Ravens are going to want to do here is just they're going to they're going to go you know super run heavy you know not necessarily they're going to use Lamar as a chess piece and he's going to be running the ball but you're going to see them pound it more than you've seen them in recent weeks right up the gut right at Buffalo the question is you know can Buffalo can they not get behind in this game I mean that to me is the biggest key to everything that the Ravens do is, you know, obviously it's Lamar Jackson, it's the run game, but they are using Lamar and the shock factor of seeing this offense every week. So what happens is these teams who aren't used to seeing, you know, they don't have a Lamar Jackson in practice. You don't see this type of Ravens offense. And then they're getting behind. The Ravens are averaging like almost nine points per first quarter. That's number one in the NFL. The Bills are averaging like three, which is bottom six or seven. So, and then once the Ravens get a lead, then they can do what they really want to do. Pound it, use Lamar, play action, the tight ends, all their – and then their defense can swarm. And when the Ravens have the lead, what they're going to do is Martingale's just going to blitz the house. And since they've had their three corners with Peters, Smith, and Humphrey – and by the way, Humphrey will be on Beasley in the slot, and he can cover the slot, unlike the, the Cowboys. So if the Bills can come out and keep this close early, I think this game will be close. I think the Bills can have a little bit of success running the ball – but the Josh Allen thing, he's a mobile quarterback. You saw with Deshaun Watson. The Ravens practice against Lamar Jackson. Yep. Deshaun Watson was corralled the entire game. They were, you know, you see it with these, with these mobile quarterbacks when Russell Wilson, Lamar, Watson, even Josh Allen, when you come back and then, you know, a defender is coming at you and you just juke him that he's, you see it all the time. He's running right by it. With the Ravens against the Texans, they were just planning themselves, making sure Watson was contained and then another defender would come in. That's what happens when you practice against Lamar Jackson every day. The Bills maybe benefit a little bit from that, but I mean, Lamar Jackson's just a different level and a different speed than Josh Allen. So, you know, I think that the Bills might have a little bit of success running the ball, but Pierce, you know, the Ravens' run defense numbers are bad, but a lot of their bad games have came when Pierce and Williams were out. Well, they're back and healthy now, and that run defense is going to be a lot better. Although, keep this in mind with the Ravens. One of their weakest spots is Earl Thomas doesn't want to tackle anyone anymore. I mean, he's just, he just doesn't want to do it. He'll do it when he has to. And then Marcus Peters has never wanted to tackle anyone his entire career. 
So you saw that last, last week with the 49ers. The 49ers had like 28 rushes for 110 yards, and then they had two big rushes, one for 40 and one for 20, and they were out on the outside when Peters, yeah, I, I guess you could call it an attempted tackle, and then Thomas, I guess you could call it. So if they get on the outside, that, that it gives me nightmares thinking about the Peters and then Thomas trying to make a tackle. But the Ravens' run defense is significantly improved. I like the under here. I think this is going to be low scoring just like last weekend with San Fran. I know Buffalo's playing a little faster now with their offensive coordinator up in the box, and they, they want to go with a little more pace. But these receivers are going to be locked down by the Ravens' corners. That People talk about Lamar Jackson all the time and this offense as they should, but people need to start talking about the Ravens' defense. And because of Lamar Jackson, the Ravens' defense can play. It's a perfect harmony. And then you have the special teams come into play, and the Ravens will have the better kicker, the better punter. Bill's punter is awful. They'll own field position. So I think Ravens win, but the line's about right. I mean, the Ravens are just overvalued in the market right now. And I like the under. I think it's like a 2017-2014 type of game. Keep an eye on the weather, too. It's in Buffalo in December. Yeah, I think the play is the under 43. You got the, it looks like the winds are going to be up, which 10 miles per hour plus, 60, 56% hit rate. In these games with, with the Bills defense and Josh Allen, uh, 16 and 7 in his career starts uh, to the under. So uh, do like the under as well, better than a side. All right, next up, we have the 4 and 8 Broncos going to Houston to take on the 8 and 4 Texans. Texans favored by 9.5, 50% of the mon- uh, tickets, but 45% of the money on Denver. The total is 42, with 71% of the bets, but only 51% of the money on the over. Yeah, there's a lot of injuries I'm keeping an eye on here. The Broncos losing Derek Wolf, by the way, does hurt a little bit. And But, you know, is Von Miller, they have some linebackers. It looks like they should be relatively healthy. Drew Locke back under center. He won his first start. What's he going to do on the road here against the Texans defense? It's just vulnerable. I mean, they're dead last in the NFL in third down conversion rate. Their secondary isn't great. And their run defense now is not as great. And their, and their pressure without, J, without J.J. Watt. So I, would, I think that the Broncos can have some success running the ball. It's a terrible spot for Houston. So, I, you know, look, they come off a win against the Patriots. And they have the Titans, maybe for the division, on deck with a Broncos team coming in, it just screams flat spot. I, I think Denver can keep this close. A couple things I'm keeping an eye on in the injury report, but uh, if it gets to 10, you might see a play come across in the app on Denver. Yeah, I was actually thinking of going with Denver for one of my, uh, my six-pack picks, but yeah, just a lot of question marks with the injuries and uh, you know, don't want to bet on the team blindly you know, with, with them starting Drew Locke on the road. But you, we keep, those 9 to 10-point uh, underdogs have covered at an 82% clip since 20. 20- 15 and the sample keeps growing bigger so that's it's just a tough tough spot to cover uh when you start hitting those you know more than a touchdown uh, next game we have the five and seven panthers just fired head coach ron rivera this week going to atlanta to face the three and nine falcons uh, who have a coach that may get fired at the end of the season in dan quinn falcons are three-point favorites getting 67 percent of the bets 94 percent of the money the total is 47 and a half with 54% of the bets and 76% of the dollars on the under. Uh, this is probably a stay away game for me. Like what, what is Cal's Carolina going to respond to the coaching changes to do things different? Their run defense is still horrible. And now they've lost even more guys on the defensive line. You saw Washington go nuts uh, on the ground last week. I don't know if Atlanta is as good on the ground, but they still should have some success running the ball. It'll come down to, does Hooper play? Is, is Julio Jones healthy? I would think yes on Jones, maybe on Hooper. Carolina also was just embarrassed by Atlanta in, in the division game at home a couple weeks ago. So maybe they want to show up here. A lot of guessing for two teams that are out of it. Probably a good stay away in my eyes. 
Yeah, I uh, totally agree. I think the market does tend to underrate teams that are that just had a coaching change, but three-point spread, it's it could go either way. I would probably still lean Atlanta. That seems where the sharp money is at as we record this. Yeah, if I had a bet, I'd go Falcons. Yeah, three and nine, Miami Dolphins going to Jersey to face the four and eight Jets. So we have 64% of the bets on the Miami Dolphins coming off the upset of the Eagles, but Sharps on the Jets, only 28% of the dollars are on Miami here. So a huge discrepancy there. The total is 45, 74% of the bets, 65% of the dollars on the over. I'm, I was on the Eagles last week, first half in game split. I've been fading the Dolphins the last couple weeks. I'll probably be doing it here. They still stink. It's a great buy low, sell high spot. Could someone cover Devontae Parker? This is lines down to five. I know Jamal Adams is out. The Jets' corners are all banged up. So maybe Adams goes for 300 again. But look, Jets coming off an embarrassing loss to the Bengals. Dolphins coming off a, a win against a big upset win over the Eagles. Uh, this line has come down to five. I think you're getting the Jets cheap here. By the way, if the Jets lose, it'll be their second loss to Miami. They'll have a better draft position after week 14 than the Dolphins. But uh, I think the Jets are the play here. I'll, I'll be on them probably first half. Is I'm waiting for a three to pop and uh, for the game. Yeah, uh, I think the you know it, it always gives you worries when uh, when when you're kind of have a two losing teams division game waiting here. Anything could happen, but you know I, I'd wait to see the injury report before really touching it. How many uh, yards will the Dolphins run run for? Over under eight. Oh, under definitely under the four and eight Chargers going to four and eight Jacksonville Chargers favored by three on the road. Sixty two percent of the bet, seventy nine percent of the money is on the Chargers. Total forty three with seventy three percent of the bets and seventy nine percent. Uh, on the under, Stuck, I, I just think the Jaguars have kind of started to mail it in a little. It's just become more and more frustrating. Anytime you see a team that, that is capable of playing decent run defense but is not week after week, it, it just screams, uh, you know, lack of discipline, lack of effort, lack of focus. Yeah, and their their whole secondary, their linebacking core is banged up, their wide receivers, their tight end. I don't know who's left at tight end there. And their offensive line has been a mess. I mean, their last four games, they lost 26-3 to Houston, 33-13 to Indy, 42-20 to Tennessee. That's 20 plus. And then they lost 28-11 at home to Tampa. Minshew gets the start here, but this team's a mess. Go look at the injury report. We'll have our previews up on actionnetwork.com and the action app. They are significantly more injured than the Chargers who are finally getting healthier. They're at least still trying and in games. Their secondary is healthier now. Their offensive line, as I said earlier, uh, I think the Chargers win this game. I think the play is the Chargers are nothing. The Jags look like they've quit. I might bet on the Chargers. I just I hate betting on the Chargers. <laughs> All right. So Especially uh, yeah, when you know they're going to be down three with a minute to go. They have to oh, go down and score God. a touchdown to cover your three if you're laying three. I hate, I really, really hate betting on the Chargers. Uh, All right. That wraps it up for best of the rest. Uh, now let's get into our survivor pool pick of the week. One pick. One chance to advance. Survivor. All right, so we are still alive because we had the Chiefs last week. Uh, there were some landmines on, on that slate. You know, if you had the, the Eagles or something or the, uh, the, the, the Panthers last week, you, you got knocked out. But if you're still alive, week 14, uh, even though I took a bet against them for the six-pack, I'm still going with the Green Bay Packers uh, in our Survivor League here because haven't used them yet. Uh, they're one of the few teams that – and they have a big – they're favored by 13, so you expect them to at least uh, win the game if – you cannot use the pack this week, Stuck. Who would you go with? Look, you probably haven't used this team, and uh, if you're still in it, go with the Jets. I don't think the Dolphins mm. The Dolphins want to win this game at all, and it's just a huge letdown spot. You're getting the Jets cheap. Um, not that it matters for a survivor pool. I think the Dolphins' only objective in this game is to lose. 
their whole objective is to get a good draft spot. Now all of a sudden they're going to be a, a bot behind a team in their division um, if they win this game. So I don't know if you if you've probably used a lot of teams, you don't have many left. Fading the Dolphins isn't the worst thing you can do. And another sneaky one is the the Bucks. I just think they're a much better team than the Colts at this point in the season. But that does it. For another episode of the Action Network podcast, Week 14 NFL Betting Edition, be sure to follow Stuck on Twitter at Stucky2. You can follow me at Chris Raybon, and you can follow us by those same handles in the Action Network app. So be sure to download that. Uh, be on the lookout. Stuck and Colin Wilson will be back with a couple of college football podcasts Friday and Monday, and then we're with the Fantasy Flex uh, on Wednesday and another edition of this podcast next Thursday. Good luck this weekend. Let's get this money. Go Pack Go. Go Ravens. We're finished talking. <laughs>